0: W-H-T-T And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's W-H-T-T Speaks Out, we're going to entitle this, Neo-Christian Churches Are Missing Out on Righteous Indignation. And what do we mean by that? Well, first I'd like to start out with a quote by a very famous person. And the quote is, He who is not angry when there is just cause for anger is immoral. Why? Because anger looks to the good of justice. And if you can live amid injustice without anger, you are immoral as well as unjust. Now that was said by Thomas Aquinas, who lived between the years 1225 A.D. and 1274, a well-known, respected Catholic theologian. So with that little bit of introduction, I'd like to turn this over to Chuck because we've noticed some very interesting things happening here around the world, and so we want to kind of cover a number of things. Chuck? Okay, uh, thank you,
1: Tom. And we want to talk about righteous indignation around the world. is bringing about some kind of righteous revolution in places. Which we're observing that with great encouragement. If we go back to 1990s, we remember that we had a thing called the Soviet Union that kept gulags in which they imprisoned millions of people. Uh, those gulags are gone now. And you have something of a society that's at least free enough so that we can go there and visit. We have this going on also when we now are looking inside of Cuba. And we find that Cuba is not what we expected when the doors are finally open last year scotland almost withdrew from the united kingdom they were actually took a vote and came very close it was very thin their withdrawal from the uk and then there's mother england itself which is having a referendum in july about withdrawing from the common market these revolutions are all people oriented they're all coming from grassroots none of them are from the top down in fact in england david cameron The prime minister is fighting, using every tool they possibly can to intimidate and cajole the grassroots in England, not to demand withdrawal from the European common market. These are grassroots movements, and we should not ignore this. Of course, in our own country, we have the phenomenon of Bernie Sanders challenging Queen Hillary, and Donald Trump challenging the Bush regime on the Republican side. Now, we're not in any way endorsing anybody here, but we need to note that these are uprisings. And uh, that uprising is going on in the Middle East. It's a tragic war, uh, of course, many places, the refugees and all of this. But very quietly, the state of Israel has suddenly broken out in revolt. And uh, this is not only a grassroots revolt in Israel, people protesting against the poor standard of living that they have, people protesting about the draft in the military, and then most recently the Israel's Minister of Defense. Uh, this is the, maybe the highest level in the cabinet, equivalent, I suppose, to our Secretary of State. He not only resigned, but he quit politics. He even resigned from the Likud party. His name is Moshe Yolan. Yelan was at the very highest level of Israel's defense establishment, which is really their offense establishment. Uh, He's protesting against what the soldiers have been allowed to get away with, essentially murdering or euthanizing any Palestinian who attempts to attack Israelis. That's men, women, and children. And it's resulted in several women being brutally murdered for no reason at all. Uh, One was murdered recently because she was alleged to have thrown a knife across the street at some Israeli military, and uh, so they simply murdered her on the other side of the street and her little sister with her. So you now have Moshe Yilan has withdrawn, and in his place, the government of Israel has uh, replaced him with Avigdor Lieberman, and Avigdor Lieberman is in the legislature there, and... He has proposed legislation for beheading Palestinian citizens who revolt against Israel's leadership. Now, of course, selectively beheading not Israeli citizens who revolt, but Palestinian citizens. So Lieberman is the ultimate racist, of course, in Israel. In his withdrawal, Mr. Yilan accused Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of being extremist and racist, a racist extremist. This is a very unusual talk, and it's gone around the world, it's echoed around the world, but uh, what we've noticed is the only people who are not paying any attention to what is going on in these righteous revolts is our church leaders in the neo-Christian churches. And why that's so significant is there are so many of them. We're talking about 100,000 church congregations or something like that in the United States, an enormous number. We're talking about 180 million people who regularly attend church, and that uh, may or may not include Catholics. But the numbers are amazing, and uh, our concern, of course, is where are Christians in picking up the cross for this righteous indignation that we're seeing not just in our own country, but worldwide. So we'd like to talk about that a little bit.
0: Chuck, yes, they seem to be asleep at the switch, and we've got some good examples here. Most recently, we've talked about this, the Nakba tour. Uh, The Nakba, for those who have not heard the term, this stands for the, the Arabic word for the catastrophe, and so it's the event that happened in 1948 when 750,000 Palestinians were forced from their homes, and over 450 of their villages were leveled by the Zionists, and so that is the Nakba. Well, there was a Nakba tour here, going around the country just recently, was in Chuck City in Denver, and they had two events there. And and so we want to talk a little bit about this. We actually sponsored the Knockabout Tour here in Phoenix. We hold these truths and some Palestinian friends that host a film festival here in Arizona. And so there were a few churches that were hosting these events. But I think Chuck's story of what happened in Denver is very interesting and telling. Why don't you tell us about that event, Chuck, please?
1: Yes, this Nakba Tour is great. It's actually a piece of theater art. These two wonderful ladies, one of them being very, very senior. I won't say old she is because that's unkind. She and a 20-year-old put on this marvelous program, and uh, I found even though uh, the older lady did not speak a word of English, uh, I found myself watching her and listening to her and, and trying to actually read her words as she said them in Arabic, even though I don't know Arabic. It was just so fascinating to hear her. She even told jokes and laughed about them, some of them jokes on herself. And uh, it was just a marvelous presentation held by a universalist unitarian church that probably has four or five hundred members. It's probably one of the bigger ones in Denver, but still a very, very small church. And directly across the street, this very, very two very big streets, Colorado Boulevard and Hampton Boulevard, directly on the on the south side of those of that intersection are three enormous mega churches that probably have a total membership of eight or nine or 10,000, if, if you counted their total membership. I don't know what it is, but they are very big. A couple of them are mainline. Uh, one of them is a dispensational evangelical church. But none of these churches were uh, there in presence. There were a few members from these churches that did come across the street and entered the Universalist Church. And listen to this incredible story. Uh, The the next day, the program was held in a very small Mennonite church in Boulder, Colorado. Here you have little churches that are basically doing the job of what these giant churches should be doing and aren't. And it just struck me that we had a membership of uh, maybe 500 people represented in this one church. The crowd wasn't that big even uh, because it was an evening program but that right across the street there is an enormous number of people that go to church every week and probably did not have any idea what was going on there in the neighborhood. And this is an incredibly important target that we just have to figure out how to reach them.
0: Right. So, you know, it's not just their lack of righteous indignation, but it's certainly Americans are very uneducated about a lot of these things that we've been talking about here. And it's our job to try to educate uh, people. And I want to relay just a a, a thing that happened to me actually last week that is very encouraging. I was invited to attend a Palestinian event. It was a fundraiser for one of the charities there. And I was very fortunate to be able to sit. uh, They placed me next to the ambassador of Palestine. I didn't even know there was one. He's the chief representative, Ambassador Mahan Rashid Erikat of the general delegation of the PLO to the United States. And, of course, we know that the United States does not recognize Palestine as a nation, but it does have a delegation here, and they do work with the Palestinians. I found out that there's actually close to 500,000 Palestinians living in the United States, of Palestinian extraction. My friend that invited me is a Palestinian that was born in Palestine, but is living here and has made his way here and his family is here. But what he told me during our conversation at dinner was quite encouraging because one of his staff of the delegation actually suggested that they reach out as Palestinians to Christians. And their delegation, of course, is in Washington, D.C., but he travels all over the country. And so he told me they arranged a luncheon with several pastors, but they were minority pastors, Hispanic, black uh, pastors. As a result of that uh, luncheon, he was invited to speak to a group of these clergies. And so it's very encouraging to see that they're now recognizing, because there are so many Christians here, we need to mobilize those Christians and educate them. Now, we realize that many of the Christian Zionists are so blinded by the religious dogma that they will refuse to see any of this. They won't believe it. They will continue to say that God gave the land to Israel, and the extreme ones will say that the Palestinians have no right to even live there or even to return. And that's what these two ladies that Chuck was talking about in the Nakba. They were, and you want to hear our story about that, but they're not even citizens. They live in Lebanon in refugee camps, Palestinian refugee camps. They are stateless citizens. They have no state. The younger girl was born in the refugee camps, so she's a stateless person. The older lady, Miriam, was born in Palestine, and her story is quite remarkable. So we think... At we hold these truths. the key is education here. It has to be done on many fronts, and we've got to stimulate our Christians to get some righteous indignation and do something about it. That's the bottom line here.
1: In wrapping this up, let me say that some people wonder why Israel and Palestine pop up so often in our rhetoric as we attempt to work for peace around the world. And the the reason for that is that Israel has been the center of warring activity in the Middle East for all these years. And the Palestinians, of course, since 1948, have simply been in the way, and they've been the persecuted society. So they are now the new gulag that's taken the place of the Soviet gulag. You now have three and a half million people who are essentially prisoners inside of Israel, and then millions, a million or more, maybe several million, who were once ethnic Palestinians but who somehow gotten out and are now refugees in other countries, or, as in our case, a half million citizens in our country who are here. And I want to bring this to focus by quoting just one comment from Moshe Yilan, who was Prime Minister Netanyahu's defense minister. And, uh, by the way, Yalon was also in charge of the Israeli military in 2002-204, and that meant that he was putting down the Intifada militarily back at the, at the very time that I was in Gaza and observed the bombs dropping, the Israeli bombs dropping, uh, I should say the American bombs dropped by Israelis on the Palestinian people of Gaza. And uh, which is, which is featured and shown in our video. And here's what Yalon said. Israel is a healthy society with a sane majority that is tolerant of minorities and strives for a liberal and democratic society. But to my great dismay, extremist and dangerous elements have taken over Israel. Also the Likud party which is the ruling party in Israel at the present time, and are shaking the house and threatening to hurt its inhabitants. He went on to say, I fought with all my might against manifestation of extremism, violence, and racism in Israeli society that threatens its sturdiness, Israel's sturdiness, and is seeping into the army and already damaging it. Thus said Jalon. Very, very strong words. They're words you won't hear quoted around our country very much. But this is what a important and talented political leader for some 25 or 30 years had to say about Israel's brutality toward the Palestinian people.
0: Thank you, Chuck. And, of course, the video that Chuck mentioned is Christian Zionism, the tragedy and turning. And if you haven't seen that, please watch it on our website, whtt.org. And also, for background material, get a copy of our book, One Nation Under Israel. Now, this was actually a, a reprint of the original book, which was entitled Holocaust two Saving Israel from Suicide. And so what we are seeing now with the events we've described here may be prophetic from the standpoint of this book that we have, Republished. It was written in 1990. Thanks for listening, and please let us know what you've done to express your righteous indignation. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts and be sure to visit our website whtt.org for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award winning documentary film Christian Zionism The Tragedy and the Turning Part 1 join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people start small Think big and press on towards the straight gate.